Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and this is the third in a series of episodes in which we're talking to nutrition professionals from around the world about their culture's traditional cuisine and heritage. So if you missed those previous episodes, please check them out. We did one on traditional Indian food, one on Colombian cuisine. You can find both of those on our website at quickanddirtytips.com. And several of you have now written in to suggest other countries and cuisines that you'd like to explore together. For example, I got an email from Takako who wrote, I'm from Japan and I'm curious about Japanese cuisine. Many people consider it to be a healthy cuisine, but I'm wondering whether it might be too high in sodium. And Takako goes on to mention that the incidence of hypertension or high blood pressure is in fact high in Japan, much higher than in some Western countries. So this is a great question, and we will explore all of that. Joining me today to talk about the nutritional pros and cons of traditional Japanese cuisine is Miho Hatanaka. Miho was born in Japan and emigrated to the United States at the age of 11. She went on to study dietetics at Syracuse University, and she served in various positions within our professional organization, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And Miho is also passionate about combining nutrition with mindfulness practices. And you can follow her on Instagram. She's at Mindful Miho. Welcome to the podcast, Miho. Nice to meet you, Monica. Thank you so much for introducing me. So on your blog, you tell a story about moving to the United States at the age of 11 and being sort of plunged into school without really knowing any English at all. That sounds really challenging. Yeah, yeah, it was. But looking back, it definitely it was a stressful time during that time. But looking back, it taught me a lot. I bet. Well, I'm curious, what made you decide to study nutrition after finishing high school here in the United States? In Japan, actually, in my elementary school, in most of the public school in Japan, they all have registered dietitian on staff. And especially in my elementary school, they had a registered dietitian who writes the menu and supervised the kitchen. And in school, they had a, a commissary kitchen in-house in the school. So every day we will have freshly prepared meals for lunch. And that was the when I had the 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 most cultural shock when I came here, where in American school, I was just shocked to see the type of food that was being served for children. Tell me a little bit more about the role that food plays in Japanese culture. Yeah, I think the food plays a huge role in Japanese culture. 
um, gifting food item is a, a tradition and uh, and also everybody talks about the newest restaurants, what kind of food. <laughs> so um, definitely it, it plays a, a big part of a culture. And also, like I mentioned, you know, we are taught about the importance of balanced diet since the young age. Um, the dietitian on staff not only wrote the menu and supervised the kitchen, but they will come into the classroom to give you lessons, gives the students lessons about balanced diet and importance hmm. of quality food. So really everybody learns about nutrition as, as a child. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about these food gifts. It's changing a bit, but we do have a tradition in Japan. Every turn of the season, like when you're going into summer, we have a gifting season to welcome the summer and invite people uh, or appreciating friendship by gifting food. And Mm. for the summer, you will see if you go to a supermarket or department store in Japan, you will see a beautiful display of fruits for gift items. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you will get a a reputation if you can gift a nice quality honeydew or watermelon. That's so interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about the characteristic flavors and ingredients that are really unique to Japanese cuisine. When we think about Japanese food, what is that? When you think about Japanese food, um, the, mo- the most recent discovery that was made in taste is the umami. And uh, many of people have been more familiar with what umami is nowadays. But umami is actually a Japanese word that translates into deliciousness. I've often seen it translated as savory, a savory, savory. quality. Mm-hmm. So that's really important in Japanese cuisine? Definitely. And where does that come from? Usually it comes in a broth. We extract broth from seafood items, dried fish, dried shrimp, or also we have a vegetarian source of umami broth, like from shiitake mushrooms or seaweed. Are there spices that are traditional? You know, when we think of Indian food, we might think of turmeric or ginger. We think of Mexican food. We think of chilies. Is there an equivalent in Japanese cuisine? Um, In Japanese food, we don't, cuisine, we don't typically use these pungent spices. Mm -hmm. Rather, we do have some condiments like soy sauce, miso, and um, those type of flavoring items. So what are some of the healthiest aspects of traditional Japanese diets? As uh, Takako writes, you know, it has a reputation for being very healthy. What makes it that way? I think it's because we do prioritize on eating a lot of vegetables Mm -hmm. and a variety of vegetables. And uh, at the same time, we do eat a lot of fish and seafood items that are lower in saturated fats. And sea vegetables are sort of unique to your part of the world. And we have very few sea vegetables that we incorporated into our cuisine. For sure. Yeah. The sea vegetables and seaweeds are abundant in fiber, not only fiber, but also minerals and other vitamins as well. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Are there any aspects of the traditional Japanese diet that you would consider as a dietitian yourself to be less healthy. Takako mentioned the potential for high sodium. Yep. Yeah, I do agree with Takako's uh, comment about high sodium. Soy sauce and miso typically are used abundantly in Japanese cuisine, and those can be high in sodium. And I also read that in addition to having a fairly high sodium diet, that Japanese people genetically may also be more likely to be salt sensitive. So maybe the combination of those effects may explain some of the high rates of hypertension in Japan. Definitely. And also, as I practice uh, mind-body eating um, psychology, I believe that uh, higher stress levels and the lifestyle, sedentary lifestyle, can contribute to those statistics as well. So as a dietitian, how might you modify a traditional Japanese recipe or uh, ingredients to, to reduce that sodium content without giving up the flavor? Sure. Yeah, definitely. In traditional Japanese cuisine, we believe that the ingredients, whether you're using a, a certain type of vegetable or fish or meat, it all has its own distinct flavor rather than adding, masking these flavor with condiments like soy sauce and miso. Also using dashi is um, a, having a good base broth can enhance the flavor without adding too much sodium as well. It's interesting about not masking the flavors of the fresh food with soy sauce. I, I once read that there's no greater insult to a sushi chef than dunking your beautiful piece of, of raw fish in a big puddle of soy sauce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That what surprised me here when I came here is that these, um, fancy rolls you get in at a, a sushi restaurant here. We don't, we don't typically see that in Japan. Mm -hmm. We don't see dragon rolls or fancy California rolls. Yeah. 
And that's most people's first introduction to sushi are in those roles, whether they contain cooked fish or raw fish. That's sort of the the gateway drug, right? <laughs> yeah. So these are not something that you see in in Japanese sushi restaurants. Not typically. Yeah, I have to admit that my entire experience of Japanese food is really from Japanese restaurants here in the West. I haven't had the opportunity to eat in Japan. If I were to travel to Japan and eat maybe in a Japanese home, not even a restaurant, what kinds of things might might surprise me? Yeah, yeah, definitely you won't be seeing these fancy sushi rolls at the Japanese sushi restaurants or chicken teriyaki that are uh, glazed in these sweet sauces. But um, I think what you might be surprised is the quantity of the food. So when you go to a Japanese, even Japanese restaurant, any sort of restaurants, you will see food items are compartmentalized into small dishes rather than in one big 12-inch dinner plate. And is it the same when you're eating at uh, in a Japanese home? Do, do uh, Japanese cooks, home cooks, cook much the way you're describing that you might see in a Japanese restaurant? I think so. I think most people strive for that and they do offer dinners and breakfast, even breakfast into in a, a smaller plate. So they serve each dish in a small plate and we strive to have a variety of food items, not just one main dish and the salad and a soup, but we will have different sides. Are most Japanese professionals who are not in the food or the nutrition industry, are they good cooks? I mean, is that a, um, a skill that Japanese people still cultivate and practice? Um, in Japanese school, when I was in elementary school, we still had a home ec- economics classes. Mm-hmm. So we would learn how to make miso soup and how to cook rice as a young at a young age. I yeah, around the fourth grade, fifth grade, we will learn a knife skill, basic knife skills and all that. So I think uh, a lot of people do have a skill or understanding of how to cook at a young age. And do they teach that home economics and those cooking skills to both boys and girls, or is mm-hmm. it more traditionally taught only to the girls? No, all students take those classes. And then in uh, Japanese homes, are the men just as likely to uh, to be preparing meals as the women, or is that divided by more traditional gender roles still today I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still mostly a female role to be cooking at home. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a cultural expectation for a female to be a good cook. Do you, we see that um, the Western dietary style and habits, for better or for worse, have been exported widely around the world. Do you see uh, an influence from Western diets on the Japanese diet and culture? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? For sure, yeah. I think it's both. With the import of Western diet and food items, we, we've expanded a variety of different new ingredients that we were never exposed of, like avocados and mm. all these great stuff. But traditionally in Japanese cuisine, we typically don't include dairy and also animal protein. 
the increase of consumption of those two items has been a little contributing to a higher risk of diabetes and um, metabolic syndrome because these items might be higher in saturated fats. What are the favorite sweet treats in Japan? Um, so we do have, for traditional sweets, we have sweetened red bean paste buns or mochi. Those are a, a common traditional sweets. And mochi is like a sticky rice confection, sort of. Yes, it could be sweetened or unsweetened. And how often are these enjoyed? Is that a special occasion thing? Is it a little something sweet every day? What role do sweets play in the traditional Japanese diet? I guess when I was growing up, um, Western sweets like cakes and pastries were more of a special occasion for my family. But there are more available. These items are more available nowadays. And yeah, people love them. They're, they're delicious. Is there any aspect of the Japanese philosophy of food or thinking about food that you feel we could benefit from by importing into our food culture? Rather than changing your diet, there is so much philosophy in Japanese cuisine that you can take home and use it every day. So like I said before about using smaller plates for each item rather than using a, a big 12-inch plate. So if you're having a steak rather than having your potatoes on the same plate, put it in a smaller plate. That is actually beneficial if you are, if you tend to um, stop eating when your visual cue, like when your plate is clean, it's a good way to moderate how much you eat because on a big plate, you tend to serve more. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes sense. And that, that's so, so easy for us to adopt. You know, we've all got the small sandwich plates or the small lunch plates, and we can just as easily use them as our giant dinner plates, which if you can find a 12-inch dinner plate anymore, you're doing good. I can't seem to find anything less than 14 or 16 inches. They just keep getting bigger. Yeah. And it's like, you know, especially if you're only eating half a sandwich, you, the half sand, sandwich can seem a too little on a 14-inch plate, but if you have a 10-inch plate, it's, it looks plenty. And it's amazing how much that visual cue affects our sensation of whether we've had enough to eat. Yeah, so I think that's a good tip. And also, one more thing is um, Japanese people, we when we start eating, we say a, a word that uh, itadakimasu. And at the beginning of the meal, and which shows that uh, respect for the for the food itself, and people who harvested it, and he, people who prepared the meal for you. So it's a, a way to show respect and really embody where that food is coming from. It also sounds like such a nice way to take just a moment of mindfulness before we begin to eat and kind of tune into that experience instead of just being on autopilot. For sure. Well, this has been so fun to talk with you. I want to thank you for joining me today and sharing your food culture with Nutrition Diva listeners. Great. Thank you so much. It's been fun. 
You can find Miho's website and her blog. It's at zenintegrativenutrition.com, and we'll put a link to that in our show notes for today, which are at quickanddirtytips.com. And it has been great to hear from so many of you about how much you're enjoying this series on nutrition around the world. So as I said, I've gotten some great suggestions for other cultures that you'd like me to explore, but if you'd like to add one to the list, you can email me at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.